you brought your Bibles, and I hope that you have, uh, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11 is where I would like to uh, begin this morning. Hebrews chapter 11, I want to start with the first verse. I, I want to talk, I want to, I want to kind of share and testify with you for just a second while you're finding Hebrews 11, 1. Um, it was, what Sister Diane said a while ago about she wasn't going to let the devil rob her of her testimony this morning, uh, that's kind of, kind of where I'm coming from this morning too, um, I'll just be completely honest with you. I'm sitting there a while ago, and I'm, I've done this enough times, I kind of know how things are going to go and how long something's going to take and, and so on and so forth. And I'm looking at the clock and I'm realizing, as you can see, it's 20 minutes to 12. And I'm thinking, there is no way I can preach a 40-minute sermon and give an altar call in 20 minutes. It just ain't going to happen. And instead of sitting there and worshiping God, I'm worrying about time. How silly and how foolish. I do long for the time when time will be no more. But right now we need to forget about everything. Because that, that extra 10 or 15 minutes that we might go this morning in a few hours is going to be forgotten and not a big deal. Tomorrow or next week, nobody is even going to remember it. Actually, there's probably going to, going to, going to come a time that many of us, if not all of us, would give anything to be able to be here and be in, in God's presence amongst God's people, worshiping God in spirit and truth. It's good to be able to just forget everything, right? Just forget everything. Put it all out of your mind. It don't matter if it's 11.30, if it's 12.30, 1.30, 5.30, who cares? Get in the presence of God. Worship the Lord in spirit and truth. Give Him your all. Walk away having left it all there on the altar, bare before Him. Oh, how good it is to be in the presence of God. Let's just worship Him. Uh, and I want to give God the glory because just as soon as that kind of dawned on me and flooded over me, I was able to just to forget about it and just get into His very presence again and just enjoy that for just a minute. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good report. Though through faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith... Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him from before his translation, he did, he, excuse me, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I just want to comment real quick before we go to the Lord together in prayer. There's two, there's two people giving us examples there uh, in this passage of Scripture. 
Abel and then Enoch. Now, I personally believe the book of Hebrews is a sermon that has been written down and turned into a letter. That's my own personal belief. We don't know that for a fact. And so I'm going to say it this way. The preacher, when he was preaching, as you go through what I call the hall of faith here, he starts at creation and he just works his way through all of the history, right? What we would consider all of the Old Testament. He just works his way through there, hitting some of the highlights, hitting some of the heroes of faith who belong in that hall of faith. And I will just mention right here, I want you to see the contrast between Abel and between Enoch. Right? Both of them have the same testimony. It is by faith, right? Both of them, right, uh, had obtained a good witness, a good report. Both of them, right, are, are now entered into the presence of God, right? Both are now in heaven. But yet we see in, in this life such contrast between the two of them, right? Abel, right, he, he died a violent death, murdered by his own brother. And Enoch never even saw death. But the Bible says he was translated, right? A type, right, of of what is coming in the resurrection. And those who are not, uh, who who don't see death, but in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the trumpet, at the voice of the archangel, will be, be, this, this corruptible shall put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality, and in, in that twinkling in the eye that it says, in, in less than a breath or a blink, right, we are transformed and caught up to meet him ever in the eye. We see Enoch as a type of that. Let's go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you this morning thanking you for the good day, thanking you for the many blessings, thanking you for the testimony that we have just read about, that both of these men that that we read about, plus many more men and women that are mentioned through this chapter, Lord, that by faith they pleased you. By faith they were pleasing in your sight. And God, that is my prayer for each one of us here this morning, is by faith, We would live our lives by faith, and therefore, we would be pleasing to you. Oh God, have your way and your will in our midst here this morning. You know our hearts, you know our needs. There is nothing that is hidden from you. And God, so I pray, lift us up, encourage us, draw us near to you. Lord, if there is one amongst us that doesn't know you, If there's any here that have maybe backslidden or or they've just never accepted you, maybe they've played church, maybe, maybe they just, maybe this is their first time. Whatever it is, God, pour out that old time Holy Ghost conviction upon them. And Lord, I pray that you wouldn't let up. Don't give them any peace until they would repent and get things right with you because that is the most important thing in this life, that they have a relationship, a true, genuine relationship with you and they can't do that as long as sin is in the way so lord just have your way and your will in our midst here in our service we thank you lord for the good spirit that we've already felt here this morning and lord let me ask one last thing of you for myself oh god i am so inadequate i always feel uh uh inadequately prepared i always feel uh just unable And I know on my own, all of those things are true. But God, under your anointing, 
that changes things. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you'd use me, that you'd preach me one more time here this morning. Lord, that you'd just clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, your words. Place on my tongue the very things you'd have me to say this morning. That Lord, just fill me full of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm asking for that you just to pour out your, that, that holy unction, that anointing here this morning. And Lord, that I might be able to preach. Lord, and each one would know, would be able to feel your presence and know, God, that it is from you through my spirit to theirs as one dead man to another. And Lord, we'll all be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it because we love you. We worship you, we praise your holy name, and we ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Can I give you a hypothetical situation for just a moment this morning? Let's pretend for just a second that the Kansas City Chiefs are playing today. They're not. This is, I guess this is their bye week, right? Is that what they call that? They're off this week, all right? They play not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow. Only reason I know that is Jake's going to the game. So if you want to go, there's your ride right there. So anyways, <laughs> but let's pretend for just a second that they are playing today. And let's pretend for a minute that it's a big game, it's important, you're a big Chiefs fan, and you really want to see it. Now, I know we've got several Chiefs fans here, right? I, I, know, I know there's several big Chiefs fans here. But let's just pretend that that's you and that's the scenario, and you really want to see it. But the game, or the bulk of the game, or the majority of the game, or maybe all the game is taking place during service time, during church time, and you've made the right decision. You are not going to watch, you're not going to watch the game live. You're going to come to church, you're going to put God first, you're going to give Him the glory, uh, and you're going to worship Him, but you have made arrangements. Now this is how old I'm getting and how ignorant I am, I guess. In my day and time, when something you wanted to watch was on and you weren't going to be able to be there, you set up the timer on the VCR and got it all ready and the TV's on the right channel. You've already done a little short test run to make sure it all works and you got the timer set on it and it's going to come on and it's going to record it. Now, I know what they've moved way on since then. I know there was DVRs and now it's all... Jake, if you want to watch an old game, how do you watch it? Is it on NFL Plus or ESPN or YouTube or... YouTube, okay. So now all you've got to do is just... Go to, go to YouTube, which is probably an app on your TV, and, and you probably got a smart TV, and so you just bring it up when you get home, and, and, and you're all set down, and you've got your chips or whatever it is, and you're ready. You just start it, and you watch it, right? And it's a game. You're excited about it. You have taken special precautions so that you won't know who's going to win because you want to watch this game like you are watching it live, Okay? That's the plan. That's what you're doing. And you've been, don't tell me, I don't want to know. You've not sat back there and checked the score. I know nobody in here would do that during service, but there is some people in some churches that might do something like that. But anyways, you've not done any of that stuff whatsoever. And then right as you're getting ready to leave, somebody like Jimmy comes along and tells you, oh, the Chiefs won 42 to 21. 
Well, okay, Jimmy might not be the most reliable source, but let's say one of them pop-up banners come up on your phone and you didn't know it was going to do that or whatever, kind of like the headlines do or whatever, and it tells you, you know, some big miraculous player come back or something and the Chiefs win 42 to 21. That is the scenario that I want you to have in mind. Now, you still want to see the game. So you found out who won, but you go home and you're still going to watch it just like you did. Okay? As you're watching it, pretend like like the Chiefs have never done this before, pretend like they played terrible for the first half of the game. How would you react? Would you get nervous if they're playing terrible the first half of the game? I mean, you already know. You saw what the end result was. You wouldn't get nervous, not if you already knew. As a matter of fact, you would know the turnaround somewhere. They're going to come out of the locker room and, and, you know, be all something. Somebody give a pep talk. Something happened, right? And you know that there's a big turnaround coming. So instead of being nervous and worried that they're going to lose, you'd be excited looking forward to what you know is going to happen, right? Some miraculous Turn around. Because you know your team has already won the game. I mean, you've got confidence because it's like you're watching this game backwards from the perspective of the known ending. And everything that is being viewed is being viewed in relation to you knowing that the Chiefs have already won. The only thing you don't know is exactly how it's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. You just don't know the details on exactly how everything is going to happen. I mean, because the moment you found out your team had won, winning stopped being just a possibility, right? It stopped just being something that you were hoping for. Instead, it became a known fact. This is the basis for faith. How silly would it be to watch that game that you already know, right? It's, it's like a rerun. I don't think they call it that anymore, but you understand what I'm getting. It's already recorded. It's already happened, right? How silly would it be to watch that rerun of a game where you already know that the Chiefs won and to still worry about whether or not they were going to win? You see, faith is knowing. It's not just merely being able to watch a game with confidence with a positive attitude. Faith is not mustering up some sort of false confidence or or trying to ignore the losing moments, right? It's not just trying to speak 
courageously, uh, uh, right, uh, of, of some sort of victory, right, trying to muster up some sort of personal strength and, and, and discipline when everything appears to be lost, right? It's not just uh, uh, mere optimism or anything like that, right? Uh, those things have no foundation whatsoever. Faith is not something that you muster up on your own from within. It is something that you receive from without, right? From the outside, in other words. Uh, so what I'm trying to say here this morning is true faith knows beforehand what will happen. And this knowledge can only come from God. It's exactly what Jesus is talking about. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 16 where he has the interaction with his disciples, the inner circle, and he says, whom do men say that I am? And they go through this whole list and they say, well, some guys say uh, that you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, uh, some say one of the prophets, you know. They go through this list and then Jesus says, but who do ye, he means you all, who do you all say that I am? And Peter speaks up. And he says that he's the Christ, the Son of God. And do you remember Jesus' response to him? He didn't say, oh, good job, Peter, you figured it out. He said, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. This knowledge can only come from God. As Christians, placing this kind of faith that I'm trying to describe in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that's how we're saved. That's the only way. And then, after we've trusted in Jesus as our personal Savior, it is up to us to build upon that faith. Right? That faith that we've placed in Christ. That goes on with what he's talking about. I could have just as easily read those scriptures in Matthew 16, right? That's what, that's what he goes on when Jesus is talking about uh, that the, you know, the gates of hell not prevail you know, against the church, and the church is going to be built on this, and so on and so forth. Also, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, he says, For we are laborers together with God. He says, Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, right? The Bible talks about how, uh, how Christ is the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, and how the apostles have laid the foundation or are the foundation. And another buildeth thereon. And it goes on in verse 10. The last sentence in verse 10 says, But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. Or thereupon. How do you build? How are you going to build? That's what I'm trying to say to you this morning. There is essentially three ways that you're going to build. I'm talking about building your spiritual life, right? The spiritual man. I'm talking about how you are going to grow and build. What is it going to be upon? Christ has got to be, he's got to be the foundation cornerstone, the corner rock, right? And so that faith is laid. Now how are you going to continue to build? I'll give you three ways. And I'm willing to bet that whatever your answer might have been before I start, start talking about this, that it would fall under one of these three categories. Number one, feelings. Feelings. 
That's what some people build on. And maybe build on is not the right word. Maybe in this scenario, faith is more like what holds it all together. You know, the glue that holds it together. But, but if we're talking about building, it'd be more like the nails that, that hold it together. Well, let, let me give you these three here, all right? So, feelings. People that live by, that's what I'm talking about, right? This is spiritually how you live by. People that live by feelings say things like, I don't feel like going to church today. They say things like, I don't feel like witnessing to someone. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like reading my Bible. Now, they may not say these things out loud, but this is what they think. This is what goes through them. Right? I've had a hard day. I've had a busy day. I've had these different things going on. I'm too tired. I don't feel like it. You know, there'll be time some other time, right? And the same ones that build on feelings are the same ones who don't remain faithful uh, to their marriage vows, right? Because uh, they say things like, well, I don't, I've fallen out of love. I'm not in love uh, with my husband or my wife any longer, right? And, and the list just goes on and on and on you get you get the idea of what i'm trying to say some build on feelings right christians that live by feelings i'm going to tell you three things real quick get mad at me that's fine you've got to love me too though uh three things christians that build by feelings are one they are spiritually immature I don't care how long uh, they've been saved they are still whenever everything is based on feelings you are spiritually immature. You are a babe in Christ. We all start there, but you need to get past that. You need to get beyond that. The second thing about them is they are emotionally driven, right? They are emotionally driven, right? Their actions and everything, it is driven by their emotions in the moment. And the third thing is, is they are easily offended because they're emotionally driven and everything is based on their feelings. So therefore, their feelings are on their shirt sleeves. They're out there, they're exposed, and they are easily offended. Martin Luther famously said or wrote, feelings come and feelings go. And feelings are deceiving. I think that's pretty good because you can't trust your feelings. You cannot trust your feelings. And if that's what you've been doing, it's time to grow up. It's time to quit trusting your feelings because your feelings can be wrong. Here's the second one. Sight. I'm using that word because that's how the Bible uses it. Sight. Right? We are to live by faith. We are to walk by faith, not by sight, all right? People that live by sight will say things like this. I don't have time to go to church. Not that I don't feel like it, I don't have time. They'll say things like, that will never happen. They'll say things like, we can't do that. They'll say things like, those people will never get saved. They'll say things like, that person will never ever darken the doors of the church house. They'll never come to church. They'll say things like, those people or that person or they'll never change. They'll say things and talk about their own personal life. They'll say things like, I can't stop. Right? I can't stop myself from sinning. We're just human. Right? We're all flawed. We all fall short. And so it's just part of it. And I just can't help it. This is the same group of people that usually will say that the, that the gifts of the Spirit, that they're dead or that they've ceased. 
And sadly, this is how many Christians live today. They must be able to rationalize it by what they can see with their own eyes. That's why the Bible uses the word sight. They only trust what they can or have experienced. And then let me give you the third one. And in case you don't figure it out, I'll tell you right up front, this is the one where we need to be. And that's faith. Jackie, the verses she read this morning, the last verse she read says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, which is what I was alluding to in my last point, is for we walk by faith, not by sight. Hebrews 11, 1 that I started with said, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The last verse I read to you this morning, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. Him is God. That's who we're talking about. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God wants us, no, I should say demands, that if we're going to please him, we're going to have to live by faith. Looking at this passage of scripture here, there are three words that summarize what true biblical faith is. And those three words are substance, evidence, and witness. That is the three words I think you could use to summarize, right? Because the word that's translated substance literally means to to, to stand under, to support, right? Uh, uh, faith is to be the, uh, to be, faith to a Christian uh, is what a foundation is to a house. That's what he's saying there. It gives confidence and assurance. It gives confidence and assurance that the house will stand. That's what faith does. It's confidence and assurance, Right? Uh, that the believer will stand. You might say faith is the confidence of things that are hoped for. When a believer has faith, they have confidence and assurance that what God promised will happen. Right? Faith is as simple as confidence that God will do what he has promised he will do. So, Here's what I'd say. By faith, we know that God answers prayer. By faith, we know that one day we'll see Jesus. By faith, we know that this book right here contains the infallible, inerrant word of God. By faith, we know that God is the righteous, eternal judge and creator of everything and everyone. By faith, we know that God will take care of his people. By faith, we know that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shine. By faith, 
we know that one day very soon God will send his son Jesus to gather his people together and bring them to himself. And by faith we know that if you don't get right with God right now, I mean by repenting of your sins and accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will not make it. By faith, we know that all those who don't make it, they will die and they will spend an eternity in a devil's hell. So, let me ask you, by faith, By faith, what are you doing to prevent? What are you doing to prevent this from happening to the people you know, to the people you care about, to the people that you love, to the people that you just interact with every day? By faith, that's the only way we're going. Our actions are going to please God. So, by faith, what are you doing? Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar, and I want to give you an opportunity to come this morning. Spirit of God, dealing with you, would you come this morning? You got a need, you got a burden. Would you come this morning? Maybe you realized this morning that you ain't where you ought to be. I'm begging you, would you come this morning? Maybe it ain't been by faith that you've been living. Maybe it's been by feelings. Maybe it's been by sight. I'm begging you, now's the time to come. Now's the time to change that. Maybe there's somebody in your life, somebody close to you, somebody you care about. I'm begging you, don't stand back there and do nothing no longer. Now is the time. Spirit of God drawing you. You just come right on now. Don't you hold back any longer. Whatever it is, you just come.